Texas just beat Alabama. The Kool-Aid is flowing in abundance. And we have to ask the question, is Texas a college football playoff team in 2023? You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. And on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, like I said, the Kool-Aid is flowing. Texas beat Alabama, and now we pose the question, is Texas a college football playoff team in 2023 in the second segment, at least through two games. I talk about why the defensive line is the best unit on this Texas football team. And in the last segment, my top five Heisman candidates headed into week three of the college football season. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's been a fun first Three weeks of the season, excited for this Wyoming game on Saturday. You know, it's been a lot of Bama talk, and the Texas fans are certainly hungover. So I'm glad we have another football game in two days. I turned 30 in two days. I won't let you all forget. So I'm super excited about that. We'll be at the Wyoming game to celebrate uh, on Saturday. So uh, should be a fun week. Should be a fun rest of the season if Texas keeps playing like they did uh, against Alabama this past Saturday, right? So we're talking about uh, the college football playoff and all offseason. You know, there were a lot of people that said this Texas football team should be different in 2023. Uh, a lot of people said that Texas could go into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. And there were a lot of people in the offseason that said that Texas could potentially be a college football playoff team. And I said that that conversation would start on September 10th. If they could go into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama, then they would put themselves in a position to make it to the college football playoff for the first time. Right. And they certainly did that. And now they control their own destiny being the fourth overall team in the country, right, or being the fourth-ranked team in the country, they control their own destiny to the college football playoff. And somebody would have to knock them out of the top four to knock Texas out of the playoffs, right? Now, theoretically, the committee can do whatever they want, you know, so they can decide at the end of the year that Texas is the fifth-best team, right, even if they have the resume of a top-four team. We'll just have to wait and see if that happens. But from what we can see right now, Texas controls their own destiny, and a one-loss Texas team should end up in the college football playoff, whether that loss is in the Big 12 championship game or not. So how likely is it that Texas makes the college football playoff this year? I'll say very likely. And I'll compare what they have in front of them compared to some of the other top you know, college football playoff contenders at this point. When you look at uh, Texas right now, they got the big Alabama win. And you would have to say at this point, you know, even though it's early, that may be the most impressive win in college football thus far. I know Florida State, uh, you know, beat up on LSU really bad, even though that wasn't a home game. You know, that game was in Florida. You know, it was closer to Florida State. It felt like a home game uh, for Florida State. Texas went on the road to beat Alabama. So I would have to say that's the biggest win of the season thus far, a hell of a resume builder. And when I look at the rest of their schedule, there's only three teams that I think Texas could end up losing to, right? Oklahoma, you know, I think that Oklahoma is still rebuilding. Texas is far more talented at this point. Texas is far more ahead in terms of, you know, being a competitive football program right now than Oklahoma. But we know 
um, in a rivalry game that spans over 100 years, two Blue Bloods, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, the Cotton Bowl, anything can happen, right? And we've seen that in plenty of years past. So Texas should beat Oklahoma by double digits, but we know anything can happen in that game. Kansas State, probably the biggest contender to Texas in the Big 12. They started off hot, you know, winning their first two games by blowouts. I think this is a game Texas should win, right? I think Texas is more talented than Kansas State and has not lost to Kansas State since 2017. So it might be psychological at this point, right? So Texas should win that game. But I'm just saying Kansas State is a type of team uh, that could knock off Texas. And then at TCU, you know, I know TCU hasn't looked great thus far, losing to Colorado um and then i'm not sure who they played in week two but it didn't matter but that is a team that you know has given texas trouble in the past i know there's a lot of different personnel a lot of different coaches on that staff but i still think that's a game that could give texas some trouble but either way i don't see texas losing two more games on their schedule this year and even if they fall to one of these three teams that i just mentioned a one loss texas team with a bama win on the schedule should be in the college football playoff so i'm saying it right now yes i think texas at the end of the year makes their first college football playoff appearance. So if Texas is one of the teams, who would be the other three, right? We look at Georgia, who is the two-time defending national champion, and you look at their schedule, it looks like they're a lock to make it, right? When I look at the teams that potentially can knock Georgia off, and I'm being nice here, right? South Carolina, they're not losing that game this weekend. At Auburn, you know, I think there's some new juice around that program under Hugh Freeze. I would not be surprised if they beat Georgia, I'll say, but it definitely would be, a hell of an upset Ole Miss. That's a sneaky team that not a lot of people are talking about. I think that, you know, it's a team that has failed to reach their ceiling, you know, but it's had a lot of talent, but they definitely can run the ball. They can pass the ball and they play some inspired defense. So that's a team that Georgia may struggle with, you know, for a quarter or two <laughs> at Tennessee. Um, I'm just not sure Joe Milton is good enough to beat Georgia, but they are ranked number 11. That is a tough place to play at Rocky top. So, they could give Georgia some trouble. And then the SEC championship, who Georgia is bold enough to list on their schedule, right? That's how good they are at football and how good they've been the last few years. So I honestly think Georgia runs the table. Worst case scenario, they lose one game. They're in the college football playoff next to Texas. Michigan, um, they just look really good. They're solid. They have a bunch of NFL players. They're solid on the defensive end. They run the ball really well. And J.J. McCarthy is one of the more talented quarterbacks in college football. If he can play mistake-free football, you're looking at a complete football team that can win on both sides of the ball and certainly can win in the trenches. And when you look at their schedule, they should be able to run through it. Now, they do play at Penn State. They do play Ohio State. Both of those games could be tough. And I think that whoever wins kind of that trio of tough games, you know, or comes out on top out of Michigan, Penn State or Ohio State, will win the Big Ten and will end up in the college football playoff. So I don't think there's room for Michigan and Ohio State like last year. Certainly there's not room for Michigan, Penn State, or Ohio State. So I think Michigan goes undefeated again and gets in that spot. But it's either going to be Michigan, Penn State, or Ohio State. So one of those teams make it. I don't think that multiple teams will make it, and it'll affect Texas's chances of being in the college football playoff at the end of the season. But if I had to pick between Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State, I'm going with Michigan to clarify that, I should say. Florida State, you know, you look at their dominant win over LSU, you look at the rest of their schedule and, you know, it looks like, you know, they'll be able to run the table maybe or certainly get out of that schedule with one loss or less. When you look at it, they play Clemson, who does not look good at all right now. Duke, who beat Clemson, right, and they're ranked, but Florida State should handle them pretty well. And in Miami, they beat Texas A&M. That was a solid win, but I still think Florida State is a step above Miami at this point, like Texas is above Oklahoma. So, I could see Florida State going through their schedule with one or less loss and being an ACC champion. So when I look at it, Texas, Georgia, Michigan, and Florida State have a great chance 
to make the college football playoff. Now, I picked USC to win the national championship this year, but when I look at Texas's path, it's a lot clearer. When I look at Michigan's path, it's a lot clearer. When I look at Florida State and Georgia's path, it's a lot clearer. When you look at USC, they have to play at Colorado, which now looks like a hell of a game. I think USC should still win it. But Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter, and Dion are definitely going to put up a fight in Colorado at Notre Dame. Notre Dame looks amazing since Sam Hartman came over in the transfer portal from Wake Forest. You play Utah at home. By that time, Cam Rising will be back. But we've seen just the pedigree of this Utah program even without Cam Rising. And they beat USC twice last year, right? So I have to give them the benefit of the doubt. Versus Washington versus Michael Penix Jr. in that offense. That's a team that certainly could beat up on USC at Oregon with Bo Nix. You know, that's a team that could beat USC. And then versus UCLA, right? That's a team that can beat USC. And then you would have the Pac-12 championship game on top of that, likely having to face another one of those teams or facing one of the teams I just mentioned twice, right? So USC has a gauntlet to get to their first college football playoff, and I'm not sure they can do it. So if I had to put my money on the four teams right now, I would say that Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and your Texas Longhorns, your favorite football team, will be the college football playoff at the end of the season. And hopefully I'm right. All right, a quick word from our sponsors. And I'm talking about the defensive line, why they might be the best unit on this Texas football team right now. All right, here we go. Forget planning months in advance. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. And Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time, we'll credit you 110% of the difference. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. I use the Game Time app all the time, and I can confirm it is great for sports fans alike. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked on college for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem code locked on college for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So it's hilarious how under Steve Sarkeesian, the last two years, it feels like this has become a defensive led football team, which is crazy to say. You know, when we hired. Steve Sarkeesian, we all thought about, oh, you know, those USC offenses, those Alabama offenses. And, you know, based on what we saw on Saturday, it looks like we're getting there, right, with all the talent we've acquired on the offensive side of the ball, with the level of quarterback play we have now. We should be, you know, on that level offensively every year. But it seems like the defense got to that level before the offense did, and that's amazing, right? When you look at it last year, they made such a huge turnaround and, you know, even though they weren't great in the Oklahoma State and the Texas Tech games, I feel like in the other 11, they gave us they gave us a huge chance to win. And in our two biggest games against TCU and Alabama last year, the defense showed up, right, where the offense really didn't step up to the plate. And then you look at it this year, and they added a lot of talent via the transfer portal and, you know, Jalen Catalan and Trill Carter or via the recruiting class and Malik Muhammad, uh, you know, Anthony Hill, Leonga LaFowl and more, you know, you brought in a ton of talent in the 2022 class and it just seems like it's all starting to come together. Right. Pete Kukowski, um is one of the hottest names in college football right now in terms of a coordinator. Um, you know, this defense just looks special. Right. It's a really special unit. And like I said, it's funny because 
you know, this is Steve Sarkeesian. You know, you got Quinn Ewers on offense, Xavier Worthy, all of this talent. And you're looking at a Texas team who essentially is led by their defense at this point. Um, and that's really cool to see, right? Because, you know, I just talked about in the last segment, Texas being a college football playoff team. And so if you're going to be a college football playoff team, you have to be able to win on both sides of the ball. And all offseason, you know, we talked about this receiving room and on three had it as the second best, you know, wide receiver room in the country behind Ohio State, who is the mecca of wide receiver recruiting right now. They talked about the quarterback room and how no other room may have had, a, you know, a ceiling in their quarterback room as high as we did with Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy and Arch Manning in it. We talked about the offensive line returning five starters. We talked about, uh, you know, the tight end room and JT Sanders, how he's top three at the position in the country. We talked about the running back room, how there might not be any drop off you know, between, uh, you know, Bijan and Roshan and what we have in the room now. And of course, the running uh, running game hasn't been great thus far. So maybe we were foolish to say that it's Bijan. Right. But. You know, eventually I think that'll get going. And, you know, we have some great running backs in that room. They'll be great this season. But when you look at the defense, specifically the defensive line, I think that's been the story uh, the first two weeks. Now, you know, in the first game, you were going to overpower Rice. Now, it took a little bit longer than I expected for them to do that. But you were going to overpower Rice, period, right? And Quinn Ewers didn't have the best game, but he still had a really good game, right? Four total touchdowns, no turnovers. We saw the receivers make some really good plays. We saw the running backs uh, make some really good plays and the offensive line got better as the game went on. So the offensive performance was really good, but I thought the defense were the stars of the show. We talked about them playing uh, 25 players and whether they went to the second unit or even the third unit at times, there was no drop off, but really who jumped off the screen was that first team defensive line, right? Whether it was Byron Murphy or Savandre Sweat, Baron Sorrell, Alfred Collins, whoever, right? They were continuously making plays on that Rice offensive line and continuously making things very tough for JT Daniels in week one, right? And so you wondered how that would translate to week two going against the Alabama offensive line, who just from a height and weight metric are the biggest in college football and would be one of the biggest uh, in the NFL at this point, right? You know, on the road, tough environment, 100,000 people against you. Could you bring that same intensity you know, on the defensive end towards that Alabama offense. And they certainly did. And even though, you know, Quinn Ewers kind of had his breakout game, uh, you know, the offense kind of had their way with the Alabama defense, especially, you know, after the first quarter, I think that the defense was still the story of the game. And they've been the story of the Texas season thus far. When you look at just what this defensive line was able to do in that game, you know, getting all of those sacks, getting all of those pressures, really making Jalen Milrow uncomfortable, making him force some throws, you know, stopping that running game, not allowing them to get going that way. They really put a lot of pressure on that Alabama offense and it allowed, uh, you know, the Texas offense to operate comfortably because they never kind of got the sense that they were in a dogfight with Alabama. Also, when you look at this defensive line, they just make everybody better, right? They create so many, you know, free and open opportunities for the linebackers and they give, you know, our DBs, you know, uh, the opportunity to cover better, I should say, not cover better, but they don't have to cover as long, right? So they can be more effective in coverage for two to three seconds than five to six seconds, right? It's just simple math. So this defensive line for me has been the story of the season thus far. I mean, when you look at these PFF numbers against Alabama, Byron Murphy, 68.9, that's great. Tavondre Sweat, 70.2. He might have been the best player on the field in both games thus far. Ethan Burke, 66.2. He had his breakout moment. Anthony Hill off the edge, 61.6. He had his breakout moment against Alabama. That defensive line just comes at you in waves, right? Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Baron Sorrell, Alfred Collins, 
uh, Trill Carter, Christopher Ross, Ethan Burke, Anthony Hill. I mean, Vernon Broughton, you know, <laughs> like these are just all players that have made impact plays in just two weeks, right? It comes at you at waves. Um, they can rush the passer. They can stop the run. They're ferocious. They have great motors. Um, and they just really carry this team, right? And they carry this defensive unit. And like I said, they make the linebacker's job easier. They make the corner and the safety's job easier as well. So we could talk about all the offensive talent on this team. We could talk about Steve Sarkeesian, Quinn Ewers being a Heisman candidate, you know, the running game, the offensive line, the receivers, all of that. But so far, to me, the most impressive unit by far has been the defensive line. And this is the type of defensive line that can carry this Texas football team for the rest of the season. And when you talk about being the type of team that can make it to the college football playoff, you need to be able to win on both sides of the ball. And I right now, you know, especially after what they did to that Alabama offensive line, I don't see another team on Texas schedule that can stop Tavondre sweating those boys from causing havoc. So, you know, like I said, we could talk, you know, about the quarterback room and all the talent on the offensive side of the ball. And I think all units are hitting on all cylinders right now. This Texas team is just really scary. And I don't want to be the team that has to line up against them on Saturdays. But if there's any unit right now that would keep me up at night, it's that defensive line because they can wreak havoc um, and they can just wreck anybody's game plan at this point. And like I said, I don't see a group of five that can block Tavondre Sweat and those boys right now the way that they're playing. A quick word from our sponsors. And I'm getting out of here giving you my top five Heisman candidates for the season heading into week three. This episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. That's J-A-S-E Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. It gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. All right, so this is my second year at Locked On going through football season. Uh, just my second year at Locked On, period. And, you know, as you continue to grow, I guess, in this content creation space, um, you know, you start to get, you know, more comfortable, more familiar, and you start to, I guess, have like reoccurring segments, right? Things that work for you and things that don't, I should say, you know? And I've noticed, at least during football season, things that work, you know, and, and keep me going or having reoccurring segments. So I started – Last year, doing the Big 12 Roundup, at first we were doing it with uh, Josh Neighbors, but just because of his schedule, it was hard to you know get him on every Sunday. But we started doing the Big 12 Roundup after each week of college football, just giving you um, you know kind of quick synopsis of what's going on in the conference outside of the University of Texas. I know everybody doesn't have time to keep up with what is it, 16 schools at this point or 14, you know, however many it is. It's crazy. So you know, it's my job to you know give you the rundown on what's going on. And then this year. We started the NFL rundown, right? So every Tuesday we are going to do um, in the last segment of the show, the NFL rundown. Monday will be the Big 12 roundup. Tuesday will be the NFL rundown, right? Where I'm giving you a synopsis of all the NFL games, right? Because I'm watching the NFL and playing fantasy football. So I know enough to come on here 
and tell you what happened if you didn't have a chance to check it out or, you know, watch Sports Center's top 10 or whatever it is. Now I've come up with my third reoccurring segment. I'm happy to announce my top five Heisman candidates. Now, this might not be as fluid, you know, as some other list on the show, but, you know, every week at some point, I can't guarantee it'll be every Wednesday, but every week at some point, I will make it my point to come on here. I'm making my mission to come on here and give you my top five Heisman candidates heading into the next week in college football. So we got three reoccurring segments each week during football season, the Big 12 roundup, the NFL roundup, and my top five Heisman candidates. I'll probably come up with another one, and you'll be the first to know, of course, when I do. So here we go. My number one Heisman candidate is Caleb Williams. I know they haven't really played anybody yet, but he's been spectacular this season. I thought coming off of the Heisman last year, he was the favorite to win it this season, and I feel like he has to be knocked off, right? You could say that if we're just focusing on the two games this year, then other quarterbacks like Quinn Ewers and Jordan Travis have – you know, a better argument or a more impressive resume. And I can't argue with that. But like I said, he's the Raisman, uh, reigning Heisman winner. They have a crazy schedule this year. And if he gets through it, he deserves to win it again. I feel like somebody has to knock him off. He has to lose a game or play poorly for me to take him out of the number one ranking. So even though he doesn't have the most impressive resume this year because they haven't played a tough non-conference opponent, I still think nobody has usurped Caleb Williams as the number one Heisman candidate up until this point. But plenty of season left, plenty of time to do that. Quinn Ewers is my number two. Like I said, you know, Texas over Alabama has to be the most impressive win in college football at this point since Florida State LSU was more so a home game uh, for Florida State. And Quinn Ewers was spectacular, right? He had his coming out party, really was the first full game. You know, we we had saw it in, um, you know, one quarter against Alabama or three quarters against Oklahoma. But that was the first full quarter, you know, full four quarter game where we saw Quinn Ewers live up to that ranking and be spectacular, right? And prove to everybody why he was one of the highest graded recruits of all time coming out of South Lake Carroll. And if he can play at that level every week for the remainder of the season, he'll certainly be one of the three players up in New York on that Heisman stage at the ceremony. Shadur Sanders, right? What they've done um, at Colorado is special and they have a hell of a narrative pushing Shadur Sanders, right? This is a team that a lot of people thought would not be good this year. You know, this is a team that a lot of people thought, you know, they would not be able to go from one win to being a competitive football team. And in his first game, he comes out and breaks the Colorado passing record en route to beating TCU. And then in his second game, he goes crazy again and they beat Nebraska. And then their first three games, right? And maybe four because they play Oregon next week. They're nationally televised games, right? So in a span of you know, five, six months, however long it's been, Dion has completely flipped not only the roster in this program, but the narrative and the media attention surrounding this program. And of course, Shadir Sanders and Travis Hunter have a bunch to do with that as well. And I just think with the performances he's put on the first two weeks, over 900 passing yards already, he's squarely in the Heisman uh, conversation. I don't think Colorado can win enough games to keep him there, but after two weeks with them being 2-0, and He's certainly in that conversation at number three. Jordan Travis, I got him at number four. Obviously, a spectacular performance against LSU. Really turned up on them in the second half. Uh, I don't even know who they played week two. You know, it wasn't important enough. Certainly wasn't Alabama. Certainly wasn't Nebraska. So that's why I got him down at number four. But he's been one of the most impressive players, one of the most impressive quarterbacks in the country. And if Florida State can keep playing like they have the first two weeks, then he'll be in the Heisman conversation with Quinn Ewers and Caleb Williams as well. And then my last... Heisman candidate. I kind of cheated. It's my top six. I got J.J. McCarthy slash Blake Corum. I wanted to put a non-quarterback on here 
Uh, Michigan just hasn't had any sweat, any trouble the first two weeks. So they've been able to run through opponents and they haven't necessarily put up gaudy stat lines because they've just been beating opponents so bad that Blake Corum and J.J. McCarthy haven't played a ton at the end of games thus far. Of course, that'll change when they get into their Big Ten schedule, start playing teams like Ohio State and uh, Penn State. But, you know, I think if Michigan goes undefeated, then you have to consider their best players as Heisman candidates. And I think they have a really good chance to go undefeated again this year, at least in the regular season. So those are my top six Heisman candidates at this point. Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers, Shadur Sanders, Jordan Travis, Blake Quorum, and J.J. McCarthy. If I had to bet money on it right now, the top three in New York at the end of the season, Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers, and Jordan Travis. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hook them. Peace.